What's up, guys? Thank you for downloading today's podcast. If you could, would always appreciate if you guys could rate, review, leave a leave a star on it, whatnot. Also, subscribe on Radio.com as well if you don't mind. That always looks good for the company here, and we want to continue uh, having success for this show. I always appreciate the support you guys have. Also, going to be uh, putting a bonus interview at the end of uh, today's episode. If you guys didn't get a chance to catch uh, Kamaru Usman, joining myself and Leroy and Beast this week on the Midday Show. I've been looking to get him on the show for a long time. He was awesome. Awesome. He was really awesome. And uh, looking forward to his fight against Tyron Woodley. We'll definitely be starting to break that down in the upcoming months. Um, Just trying to see if I missed anything else for this week. Oh, yeah. I just want to dedicate this show, man, to uh, – I want to dedicate this show. This would have been the week that Kimbo Slice turned 45 years old. And I love Kimbo Slice. I have a real affinity for him. Um coming from you know the streets of Miami the fame that he uh he was able to garner with his fists uh was just absolutely crazy and um you know seeing a lot of the stuff this week that he was you know he could he should have been 45 he should have been 45 this week and you know got taken from us too soon and I could uh, I was telling this to my dad yesterday that he was one of my favorite fighters to cover and he was my favorite interview I think I've ever done. Um, just getting a chance to meet him, the stuff we got to talk about, uh, getting a chance to talk to him afterwards. It, it really was cool. It was really cool. It was a guy that I just remember all of us in college just gathering around to watch either Kimbo fights on the internet. And then of course watching him on CBS and, um, you know, it was, it's just a bummer. It's a, it's a bummer to see that it was too soon. So I was cool seeing all the posts this week, uh, seeing his son post. I'm a huge fan of his sons in Bellator as well. He's been on the show a couple of times and, uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. You know, he's had a couple of, he's had a couple of late losses, um, and weird losses. Like his first, his first loss in Bellator, he was kicking ass and just got caught. This last one was just strange because he kind of just ran out, ran out of gas, and he was like on. Never seen anything like it. He was like on top, but his versatility is unbelievable. And I do think that with as young as he is, with as much skill as he has, I think he can be really, really good. Maybe even uh, I don't know if anybody can be as uh, successful as his dad was because of the marketing and because his son's not a heavyweight. Um, but, but Kevin Ferguson Jr. is, uh, a force. He's a force to be dealt with. I think, I think he's really, really good. Trains with great guys and, uh, AJ McKee and Aaron Pico and all those guys out there. And, uh, obviously has the ties here as well over at ATT. So, um, you know, where he was when he was a kid and stuff like that. So I, I, I really enjoy watching him fight. I can always say that I have not watched, uh, Kimbo Slice Jr. The one thing I'd say with Kimbo Slice Jr., we got we to gotta pick on a name because I, I when I've talked to him, he doesn't like being called Baby Slice, but they name him Baby Slice uh, in Bellator. Uh, I think just being Kimbo Jr. is, uh, is a better route to go. Um, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was a bummer to see that this week. It was a bummer that it was, uh, he should have been 45 too soon. Love Kimbo Slice. And... If it's probably on the internet somewhere, if you guys want to ever check out that interview, I was able to do with him it was before the Dada 5000 fight. I was really into that fight. I were just, I, I, and I like Dada 5000 a lot too. And that was crazy. I mean, they were able to turn a Miami grudge match into one of the highest rated Bellators of all time. And neither one of those guys probably physically should have been fighting because of Kimbo's heart. Um, you know, they found that he had, uh, he, he had taken PEDs for that as well. So I'm sure that wasn't helping. Uh, and then Dada, you know, I didn't even think about this even in, in the lead up to it because Dada hadn't had many professional fights. I think he was two and zero at that point, but he is he's a behemoth, and so I I forgot that you at at feather at uh, heavyweight you got to cut to two sixty five. So the idea that he had to cut to get to that fight for the first time, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy that those guys went through with that the way they did, and and knowing what we know now about that fight always makes me look back at that fight a lot differently because if you were watching it, 
it's regarded as like one of the worst fights of all time. I mean, both of those guys were absolutely gassed. Kimbo kept hitting Dada and Dada's bigger. He's just a big dude. And so Kimbo couldn't put him away. It literally took Dada's heart stopping for the fight to, to stop. And kind of just knowing that now, the way I reacted when I was watching it, like I reacted like an ass because I was like, oh, look at these two guys. Terrible shape. Kimbo's too old. Dada's too fat. And really what you didn't realize is these guys are literally dying inside the octagon and probably shouldn't have been fighting. It's uh, it's pretty wild. So that's uh, that's kind of my musings of all that stuff going on. Um, I like Dada 5000 a lot. Can't wait for Dogfight 2. Hope everything goes good with him trying to put this Trigon bare knuckle fighting together. I think that's absolutely cool now that bare knuckle fighting is a lot bigger. Um, I think that's coming up in March. I gotta I gotta get in touch with Dada and see where that's at. So we'll do that. We'll do that. But um, yeah, man. All prayers out to Kimbo Slice's family. Happy 45th. What would have been your 45th birthday, Kimbo Slice? Thanks for all the entertainment. Um, thank you for always being a class act and a, and a good a good family dude. Uh, all right, let's get to the rest of today's show. Love you guys. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. What's up, Miami? How's everybody doing this morning, huh? Fighter's Fury time here on 7i, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. For the next hour, we will go over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing at UFC 234 yesterday. New main event, as we found out on Saturday morning, Robert Whitaker had to pull out of the main event against Kelvin Gastelum, so he was unable to defend his middleweight title. Really scary situation. Um, so Israel Adesanya, the last style bender, he got moved up to the main event against Anderson Silva. I think a lot of people could argue that this was probably the fight people were more excited about, but it was it was a two-pony race. Like This was not the deepest card in the world. Um, they stacked it up with a lot of people from Australia and they were hoping that, look, we got the biggest name in Australian MMA right now fighting. We got the biggest guy right just there from New Zealand fighting on this card. We got Anderson Silva. That's about all we should probably need. All things considered, everything goes right. But we get the news yesterday that Robert Whitaker has to pull out of the fight. He's got a really, really nasty injury. Um, they were describing it as a hernia, which seemed uh, seemed strange, but it even turns out that it's worse than that. He basically has, like, twisted and collapsed, uh, like, intestines with his colon. And they said if he – the way that it was described out from his team and doctors that if he took a shot to the stomach in the wrong way, it could be fatal. And uh, this was something that he was probably hiding and dealing with. And, look, I, people were taking a lot of shots at him yesterday. Adesanya took a shot after him. Took a shot at him yesterday after the fight. I get it. You, you, you're building up the fight. Kelvin Gaslam yesterday, he's walking around with a championship belt. We'll get into that move in a little bit. But, look, Robert Whitaker is not soft. This is a guy who's won fights with broken feet, broken hands. He's he's arguably one, uh, in a land of tough. He's one of the toughest out there. And I think more than anything right now because he is – uh, injury prone and and has gotten a lot of things that uh, have banged him up, have taken him off cards before. Think of anything, he's just he's kind of like new age Dominic Cruz. Shout out to Dominic Cruz who's doing the broadcast tonight. He's just snake bit right now. It doesn't seem like he can get through a fight with a, without a major injury. It doesn't seem like he can, he can get to the ring can uh, continuously without something coming up. So look, just prayers out to him. He's a, he's an a- unbelievably fun fighter to watch and. You know, they said this is going to be like a four to six, four to eight week type of deal. So let's say he recovers fine and then you give him another eight to do a training camp. So we're looking at four months from now. Um, That would put us in the summertime. You know, hopefully he's able to go. Hopefully, hopefully that is all we need for for Robert Whitaker. But, you know, this is something serious. I mean, if we're talking about an injury that could have killed the guy. You know, maybe this is something that he does need a little bit more time on the shelf. And if that is the case, then you probably do have to look at a situation where you know, Adesanya is fighting Kelvin Gastelum for an interim title. If not, then, you know, maybe maybe Adesanya sits on the sidelines or maybe he fights somebody like Jacare in the in the meanwhile. Maybe maybe he sees somebody at 205 that he likes. I don't know. Um, 
everybody else for Adesanya probably is tied up right now. Um, seeing as it looks like the rumors is nothing's confirmed yet, but you know, all signs are pointing to uh, Paulo Costa is going to be fighting Yoel Romero, who's ranked number one. Looks like those guys are going to be the headliner in Miami whenever that does get confirmed and that does go through. That is the that is the reported main event. So they're tied up. Luke Rockhold's ranked second at middleweight. He is now really a light heavyweight. He says he's going to 205, so that's out. I don't believe Jacare has a dance partner right now. Chris Weidman would make some sense. Um, a guy who's a former champ, I think that would make a lot of sense for Israel Adesanya, but he just had a neck thing going down, so I don't know when he's going to be ready. So after last night's main event, well, I guess we'll just we'll, we'll segue into that. Israel Adesanya gets a win over Anderson Silva. He wins in a unanimous decision, 29-28 on one card. 30-27 on two. I had a 29-28 for Israel Adesanya. Fun fight between these two gentlemen. You could tell that uh, Stylebender had a lot of respect for, for Anderson Silva. It was good to see Anderson. It is funny. Like, Anderson, he, in a lot of ways to people, it, he is immune to all the other stuff that has gone on between PED tests, unknown supplements. They have such a respect for Anderson. I think it's just because... Uh, he's so nice. He has so much respect for his opponents. Um, all of that stuff that, that, that stuff doesn't stick to him at all in a way that it does to maybe a John Jones who, you know, people like to, to pile on with the whole PED thing. And I think it's just because of the way Anderson goes about his business and things like that. But that crowd was behind him heavily. I think a lot of people were rooting for him. I was rooting for him. It's not, it's impossible not to. And man, he was so fun to watch yesterday. He had that moment in the in the second round where he was hurting Israel Adesanya probably uh, probably as good as anybody has in a while, and, and that just shows that there's still greatness in there. He was a step slower. He was uh, then then Adesanya in this fight. Adesanya did shut up one of those uh, one of those eyes of Anderson Silva. He was walking around with the sunglasses yesterday, so uh, definitely got the decision right. Um, Stylebender got the win, and I think put a uh, you know people they were putting in this the category is, is this a passing of the torch um i guess if you're going to look at like most dynamic strikers we could probably say adesanya is is that new guy at middleweight for sure i mean if you're going to look at the the rest of the uh of the rest of the contenders he's definitely the guy that that is probably the hardest to figure out on their feet uh, we haven't really seen him tested too much on the big stage with his ground game, and we know that Anderson, even when he's taking a beating like a la Chael Sonnen, that this guy can pull out some crazy submissions. I mean, he has the entire package, which is why a lot of people regard him as the greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all times. He's just he's on he's he's on that Mount Rushmore. He is looked upon as just an all timer, and and Israel does need to catch up in that regard you know it's a guy who's almost 30 years old so it is it is high time for him to get on that stage if they think he's going to be that um obviously the way he goes about his his business in the ring taking on all these top contenders i mean this is what anderson silva was doing i mean he was going in there he was taking on all comers more title defenses than anybody up until demetrius johnson snatched that record from him um beating them beating them in crazy fashions winning fights that he shouldn't have won all that, all that whole package considered. So, I don't know if this is quite a passing of the torch in regards to this guy is going to be the next Anderson Silva. But with some of the moves that we saw yesterday, it was almost like fighting a guy uh, in the mirror. It was almost like the Spider-Man meme out there. If, if the other Spider-Man was just a little bit older, don't look at me like that, Antoine. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Spider-Man on Spider-Man, man. Plus Spider Silva it fits. Anyway. um... Yeah, it was a fun fight. You know, those guys staring each other down. The old, uh, the old, bring it on from Israel Adesanya. Um, Anderson was showing no respect with the with the hands, put the hands down, took a lot of shots on his chin that he just seemingly walked through. So it looked like you know Anderson was able to uh, to put that chin on full display. And, and a lot of us probably thought, man, maybe that's that's a dangerous tactic for him because of the way the Weidman fight had gone before, or the Michael Bisping fights have gone where. You know, he, he can't do those tricks like he used to. But he did against he did against Adesanya, and it was a great performance. It was great to see him back in the spotlight. How much is left for Anderson Silva is an interesting one. Um, he said that he wants to fight at Curitiba in May, I believe, is UFC 237. 
That's an interesting one. Will that be the last time we see him? He's 44 years old. Um, what's left for him to do? Like, what does make sense? I mean, a lot of stuff was getting thrown out there yesterday. Conor McGregor went to the uh, to the front of the line. He says that he wants to fight Anderson Silva. Uh, Dana White shot that down very fast. There was some talk from Anderson that he would like to fight Nick Diaz in Curitiba. I think that would be a fun fight. And if that does come out, Connor says that he would like to fight Nate Diaz on that same card. That would be fun. Both of the Diaz brothers fighting on the same night. You have Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, two of the biggest stars of all time. You you look at all of those guys, they'd be four of the biggest draws in UFC history all there on one night. It'd be absolutely tremendous. So it was a it was a it was a, a lackluster card as far as I would say guys who took meaningful steps forward other than I would say Devontae Smith, who beat Dungyon Ma and looked absolutely sensational. He continues to to rise. I think he looks like a really fun fighter in that absolutely stacked 155 division. Um, controversy with Jim Crook getting uh, his win over Sam Alvey. Alvey wasn't happy with the way the stoppage is. That's two in a row with Mark Goddard not happy uh, the way that those things have gone. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, she got a win over Nadia Kassem. I know that I picked uh, Kassem in my picks on Friday on the midday show. So whiffed on that one. Uh, she actually got steamrolled in that one. Ricky Simone got a win over Ronnie Yaya. 30-27 on two cards, 30-25. Uh, he cleaned up. And then Landa Venata got himself a win over Marcos Mariano. Uh, a submission, he got him in the Camaro lock. Mariano just looked uh, over overmatched on the ground. So... He gets the win there. Those are the uh, those are the results, but I don't know if um, big headlines come out of any of those other than I think Devontae Smith, who was main fighter on the prelims. He looks like he uh, looks like the UFC may have a little bit of a rising rising name there in an absolutely huge huge 155 division where there's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of stuff that's going on there as far as where things stand and 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 what title shots are going down. Khabib Nurmagomedov had some comments this week about. His future, and and I think that puts the UFC in some interesting, uh, in an interesting position. And then plus, we got to figure out what is uh, what is next for Conor McGregor because he is throwing a lot of options out there for himself. And I believe Conor was actually down here this week. Um, there was a lot of stuff on social media of him in Miami uh, on the beach around yachts. I don't know if he was doing stuff for Proper Twelve or just down here on a vacation because he was at the Super Bowl last week but it was uh it was cool to have the notorious one in town there were some rumors going around that connor was uh was going to be jumping ship to att because there was a there was an instagram post of himself at american top team but that was at the att in atlanta and i think he was just getting in there to get a role in uh, i don't think that he's leaving sbg but that would be interesting, you know, and, and and I think people would go and they would blast him because, you know, Connor has talked a lot about loyalty and, and talked a lot about uh, not leaving the people who brought you up. And I get that. But I will say the uh, the idea of Connor going to another gym just to get some work in or just to try something different, I think, is intriguing. And, you know, American Top Team is one of the absolute best on the planet. I would say the the big controversy that's there, if you were to do that, is you have Dustin Poirier working out at that gym as well. And not only does Dustin is Dustin a title contender and going for the same prize that Connor is, he'd also like to fight Connor McGregor. So, as much as I think that gym would uh, would welcome wanting to have Connor, they're in a tough spot because Dustin's their guy. Dustin's been there forever, and. I don't know how that would go over with uh, with them both so high in, in rank, with both of them either on a clear path to, I wouldn't say a clear path, on a murky path to either fight each other or one of those guys being in line for the title. If it was announced that Dustin was going to get a title shot and he was fighting Tony Ferguson and they're not going to fight anywhere in the near future, then okay. I think that would make a lot more sense. But more than likely, Connor's just down here enjoying some South Florida weather. Why wouldn't you? I'm sure Ireland is miserable right now as far as weather's concerned. So this is about as nice a place on the planet as there is to be. Um, so if you've seen Connor around down, uh, around town, say what's up and, uh, you know, tell us some proper whiskey to him, I guess. We got a lot to get to, a lot of news and notes as far as Connor's concerned, where the lightweight division uh, stands. Khabib Nurmagomedov had some things to say about that. 
Uh, we had some boxing last night. Javante Davis was back in the ring. Erickson Lubin was back in the ring on Showtime. So we'll get into that as well. Plus, um, a big card coming up next week as far as ESPN is concerned. UFC is making their debut on big ESPN. We'll get to that as well. We're back on Fighters Fury right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, we're back. So yesterday, uh, a little boxing action. In addition to all the UFC that went down, you had Gervonta Davis. He had himself an impressive performance. He knocks out Hugo Ruiz in one round yesterday on Showtime's main event. Gervonta, big thing with him has been he's had a lot of he's had he's inactivity, and there's been some tension in this past year regarding his promotion with Floyd Mayweather. It seems like. A lot of that stuff has been put to the side, and and a lot of guys were uh, involved in this. Floyd, Leonard Ellaby, Javante Davis, everybody seems pretty kumbaya as far as this past week went. And the big thing you want out of this is you hope Javante is just more active. Look, the guy is absolutely dynamic. There's no doubt about that. His power is absolutely savage. The type of body that you bring into that and the type of strikes that he can he can unload on people from that size is absolutely vicious. I mean, you saw yesterday the Ruiz, he got hit with that huge hand, didn't want no more. He's like, F this, I am not here. I, of course, we would have loved to see him against a more tested guy in Abner Morris and, and see something like that. What what kind of waters could he got of drug in there? I mean, Morris has been in some absolute wars before, so that would have been beneficial for, for him, I think. Um, but... The thing that happened after the fight is a little bit weird because they come out afterwards and Floyd's up on that stage and he's like, yeah, here's what we got coming up in April. He's going to be fighting Tenshin Nasukawa in an exhibition. I'm just like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't. There's no point of that. There's no purpose of that. Look, whatever the hell went down with Tenshin Nasukawa, who's an absolute human highlight reel on YouTube, if you guys want some enjoyment, go check out Tenshin Nasukawa's highlights, all right? This past thing with the Floyd Mayweather and the Tenshin Nasukawa was so fixed. It was so fixed. Floyd Mayweather just literally knocking a dude across the ring, and then he's doing the stanky leg fake knockdown to make it look good. No. Don't do this to Javante Davis, man. Don't. I, you're, you're sitting up there this week, and you're saying, guys, don't blame Javante Davis for his opposition or who he's taking on. Blame me. Well, I'm blaming you, Floyd, okay? If you're giving me the pass, I'm blaming you. You got a guy here who could be an absolute pay-per-view monster you know like you were and if you got your name around it why don't i don't know we keep the guy active against boxers not kickboxers these crossbreed fights there's only a few that will make absolute sense and make people intrigued to tune in gervonta davis does not have the clout to pull that off what is this going to be a handicap match are you also going to be involved i mean look I, I don't know how many people care about you fighting Tenshin Nasukawa. Now make it Gervonta Davis. Come on, man. That is such a poor move and such poor management. And this is why you have your own fighter ripping you openly in the media, ripping you openly on Twitter. You're going to pull this move? Oh, I hope. I, I really hope that's reconsidered. Please. Can we get Can we get the guy to fight in his own division? A fight against... Tevin Farmer, somebody, please. Like, that. those guys have gone back and forth. Can we do something like that? Javante Davis needs to be active, and he needs to be active against boxers, not kickboxers, and certainly not 120-pound kickboxers. And if you're rising, and you have any hope that this dude is going to be a star, what are you going to do? Keep putting him in boxing matches and getting him bludgeoned all the time, fixed or not fixed? How good is that for his resume? It was just, I, I got so frustrated hearing that. Oh, we're going to send Javante over to Japan. He's going to get the, the fight against. No. Well, because he could get a big, he get a, a whole lot of cash. Hey, man, do that in a boxing match. Let's get this, this let's get the stud in, in, in a fight 
against somebody on, on a, on a big-time card, something. I mean, you know, even if he's eating his way out of each division, let's go. The guy's clearly got the goods. He's got some thunder in his gloves. What the hell is the point of him fighting Tenshin Nasakawa? What? It makes no sense. Let's go. It's time. He's young. He needs big fights. It's time for people to give him the credibility that he needs to get. He's 24. It's time to go already. Tenshin Nasakawa. I mean, the, look, Floyd would never make these moves back when he was 24. Never. Just going and kicking ass. Like, these are the things that he can do in the twilight of his career. You should build him up to be one of the biggest boxing stars. And the way that is is to have him fight over here, fight against guys who are in their prime. Fight guys that can give him tests. What does that do as a test? You think people would be like, oh, he's Floyd Mayweather's guy. Got to tune in. No, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Bummed to hear that. Shout out, by the way, to Erickson Lubin, by the way, for also getting a win. Fighters Fury alum for uh, who's been on the show before. Jack and Sledge. Love, uh, love that. And love seeing him bounce back. The guy's been training his ass off, beating Ishe Smith yesterday. First guy to stop Ishe Smith. Dropped him four times. Stopped the fight in the third round. Um, I'm a big fan of Erickson Lubin. He took an absolute uh, devastating loss to Charlo a little while back. And I would like in boxing when that happens to not just throw guys to the curb and say, hey, this guy's washed. He's not. No. He's fighting. He, he fought it. Absolutely, it was good. Look at look at Erickson Lubin when he was doing it at 21 years old and who he's going to fight. Fighting Jermel Charlo and getting cleaned up. That's fine. Let's not act like the guy's uh, he's going to be damaged goods the rest of his career. The dude is super dynamic. Has put out some big big time highlights. Uh, I think he's I think he's got a lot of talent. So it was good to see him get a win. On the other side of this thing, there was a big news made this week. We we uh, we alluded to this a little bit last week with Anthony Joshua and who his next opponent is. ESPN is reporting that he is going to end up fighting Jarrell Big Baby Miller June first on the zone. Fun fight, very much into it. Uh, I love this matchup. I'm intrigued by this matchup a lot because of how much Jarrell throws. I, I, he he has he's a high volume puncher. We have seen in the past fights with Anthony Joshua. We've seen cardio be an issue. Um, we've seen chin be an issue. We've seen guys who are aggressors be an issue. He, if he's able to to keep the fight at his range, then he should be okay. But this is the trouble with keeping the fight at his range. Jarrell Miller weighs over 300 pounds, and he does. He just keeps coming. He, you know, if you want to talk about who's got the better gas tank in this fight, it's Jarrell Miller. I don't care who looks like the absolute Adonis, who who they would make statues over. I mean, it. You know, clearly Anthony Joshua is a physical specimen. And something to behold. But Jarrell Miller has so much experience in so many different arenas of combat. Uh, The way he throws strikes. The angles he throws strikes. The quantity of strikes that he throws. And his gas tank just doesn't quit. He's always, always, always throwing. Um, I think he's going to sell the hell out of this fight. Um, Dillian White versus Anthony Joshua I think is a wash. And I think if you do that fight, you're going to start making Anthony Joshua a regional fighter. It is important for him to come over here to try something new. I know that him fighting in the UK means a lot to him. I know that fighting uh, for his people means a lot for him and that he's a huge, huge star over there. He, this thing at Madison Square Garden, you tell him that, that the heavyweight champ of the world is coming across the pond to make his, it's going to be a monster seller. Not only that, you have a Brooklyn native who is fighting on that card as well, who also can sell the hell out of a fight. It's going to be an absolute monster, monster of a fight. And I think in the lead-up to it, they will have a lot of people subscribing to DAZN to watch it as well. Um, it's a new day and age. You don't have to worry so much about you know people forking over 60. Uh, is Anthony Joshua a $60 fighter? Is he a $70 fighter, $75 fighter? As far as people wanting to fork over pay-per-view money, don't worry about that. You're getting that that break on the zone, and I think this is a very intriguing matchup, and I do think that Anthony Joshua could lose this fight. 
And so if you're telling me that the heavyweight champ of the world could lose, he's not fighting a guy in Dillian White who I know he can beat. He has beaten and has, has only taken on better competition since. Um, you know, look, Dillian White is also tremendous. I'm not trying to bury the guy, but we've seen him already against Anthony Joshua. And I think in this arena of interesting and the fact that Anthony Joshua right now has the most belts, but I think out of the three guys of him, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, he's third right now in the arms race of who do people care about seeing right now the most. And I think Deontay and, and Tyson Fury, because of their classic, because of their willingness to fight each other, and the fact that they put forth an awesome, awesome fight, makes them the people's champs. I mean, Deontay's the actual champ. He's the WBC champ. Tyson Fury is the lineal champ. He's the people's champ. Um, continues to get into better shape. Anthony Joshua right now, he just has the most jewelry. He has the most belts. And we know what that Klitschko fight was. It was an absolute classic. Great. But Tyson Fury now back in the fold. He beat Klitschko before you beat Klitschko. Was the fight as thrilling? Was it as memorable? No, 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 no. Your fight was better, but that was a long time ago. The stuff, the stuff is very fleeting. It goes away. So if you're going to tell me his next fight's going to be against Dillian White across the pond again, and it's going to be fighting at 5 in the afternoon with like 13 people tuning in on zone, which is what happened with the Vivetkin fight, you know, that's that's just not a recipe for success. He needs to be fighting over here. He needs to be fighting in prime time, June 1st. It's a great time. He's got no real competition at that point. What does he got going on? The middle of baseball season, um, NBA playoffs on a certain night. Like, fight's going to be late enough where it's going to do well. It's a smart move. It's the right move. And it's a very, very intriguing matchup. So they got it right there. They got it right there, absolutely, as far as, what Anthony Joshua's next opponent should be. Now, the next thing they need to do is they need to set up Deontay versus Tyson Fury in Vegas, I would say, a couple weeks after that or a couple weeks before that. Um, You might want to breathe it a little bit from Cinco de Mayo, although this is the one thing with DAZN. Because Canelo is now on DAZN, you're not forking over the big pay-per-view money for him if you're a boxing fan. So... They're pretty free and clear because the Showtime's next pay-per-view, I think, is in March. I think it's um, Mikey Garcia against Errol Spence, which is another great fight. Um, so, yeah, you're pretty clear. You're pretty clear. I mean, unless unless Floyd Mayweather's making some comeback and he's going he's gonna to bully Canelo off that Cinco de Mayo date, I think you're good. I think you. I think you're probably good. The only other thing, pay per view wise, you probably have to worry about in that time frame is maybe the return of Conor McGregor. Um, so yeah, you got to have them lined up because here's what you got to have ha- have happen. You got to have those guys, all four of them, fighting close. And I would say it probably goes two ways. If Jarrell Miller ends up beating Anthony Joshua then those two will likely rematch. If Joshua wins, he then can await the winner of Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. And also in the meanwhile, if Anthony Joshua does happen to lose to Jarrell Miller, I think unless it's an absolute wrecking ball fight where like Deontay destroys Tyson Fury in a couple rounds or four rounds or something like that, or on the other side, Tyson Fury just completely outclasses Deontay Wilder. If you have a situation where Jarrell beats Anthony Joshua, then you could always go with the trilogy of Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder in the fall. Um, you know, or if they're ready to move off each other, then then put Jarrell against the winner of those two. You know, he's not he's he's kind of in this realm where he's not exactly tied to anybody, so he can chameleon his way to any other thing he's fought for showtime he's fought for the zone he's got his own promotion thing kind of going he's uh in this kind of free agent land and it's a smart thing by by jerrell miller he's he's a he's a a fun fighter fun fighter and uh, i i do i do enjoy watching his work for sure so that's what we got going on there when we come back big fight next week espn makes their uh they have their ufc debut as far as just on the big regular espn 
Cain Velasquez is making his return to the Octagon. We also have a couple big Bellator cards coming up next week and some uh, some musings, if you will, on where things are with the UFC lightweight division, Conor McGregor's future, Khabib's future, all that concern. We're back on Fighters Fury right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. So yesterday, in the fallout of Robert Whitaker having to be pulled from the main event at UFC 234, Kelvin Gastelum was strutting around the ring, or strutting around the arena, I should say, with uh, Henry Cejudo's championship belt, his teammate, and was proclaiming proclaiming himself the middleweight champion of the world uh, because in his world, in the wrestling world, if you both weigh in and your opponent does not show up, that is a forfeit, and you are then declared the winner. So in his mind, he's the champ. Uh, this is a play right out of uh, of his his guy Chael Sonnen's um, <laughs> Chael Sonnen's book because I've heard I'm a big fan of Chael's podcast. I've heard him talk about this um, theory before in mixed martial arts that if two guys are ready to go, if two guys make the fight official, which a weigh-in typically does, and the other guy doesn't show up, that's a win in his eyes uh, for Kelvin Gastelum. So Kelvin being close to Chael, I'm sure that's exactly where they got it from. And uh, just so happens that Henry Cejudo's belt was there, so they made that happen. So he was doing all of his interviews yesterday with the belt on his shoulder. Israel Adesanya called him out for it afterwards, where he says, take that stupid belt off your uh, your shoulder. Although, uh, Stylebender also was taking shots at Robert Whitaker, saying that, you know, I was the one to show up for work. This sounds really, really bad, what happened to Robert Whitaker. I mean, look, the fact that you, a guy, they said that this this sold out faster than the Rolling Stones. So the fact that, it, he he's that kind of a big deal. This card was that kind of a big deal. Robert's not doing that. I mean, he is he is the golden boy over there in Australia. He's going to do everything he can to fight. And this sounds like a crazy, crazy thing. But um, it is a good storyline for Kelvin to go that way. I think that this... I do think this fight was lacking a little bit of juice, even with them being on the Ultimate Fighter together. The idea that Stylebender versus Anderson Silva was almost the people's main event. Like, it, it, even when it turned into the main event, people were like, all right, because it wasn't that deep a card anyway. I mean, it was disappointing we didn't have this fight, but I think it's only because it was a thin card to begin with. If it was more of a a, a, a stacked card, I mean, next next week's card, which we'll get to in a minute, um, UFC on ESPN, is a deeper card than this card was. So... I think that's what the disappointment was. It wasn't necessarily that, oh, we don't get to see Robert Whitaker, because I do think that, you know, Whitaker, as fun a fighter as he is, he's been in fight of the uh, fight of the year candidates before. He fights with broken hands. He's an absolute monster. Um, still pretty new on the scene, and because he gets hurt so much, because he is a little bit snake bit, um, we're at this point right now where I think I think people are are, are, are having him. He's not he's not in the same class notoriety wise as a lot of the other champs the UFC has. So I think this does add some intrigue to it. You know, Kelvin can play the bad guy and can play the guy who's willing to say I'm the champion. He can do the press tour with the belt on his shoulder. Another play that Chael has done before. Um and I think that'll add something because, you know, Robert's not a big media guy and he's also you know, as kind of good as it gets. He doesn't talk a lot of trash. They're going to show up and all that stuff. So I think it could add a little bit of something to their next bout. If Robert has to be on the shelf, if he does have to be out a little while, then uh, Stylebender versus Kelvin makes sense. And I think that's that, that's a tough one for Kelvin because Stylebender's, Stylebender's a big guy. He's a big guy. And I think we, the, the, the struggles we've seen with Kelvin at middleweight involve him going against the bigger guys like Chris Weidman. Um, if it's a guy like Robert, I think he can hang okay, but that's a, that's a t- that's a toughie. That's a toughie for sure. The other the other person to call him out hard on it was Conor McGregor, who was tweeting up a storm last night. Conor tweeted out, uh, "Why is this worm holding the 185 pound belt? There are worms crawling on his skin." Ugh! It it was absolutely ludicrous to even consider allowing him compete. Now, let alone walk him around the arena shaking ha- our fans' hands. Um, someone sort this this instant and sterilize that belt immediately. What he is referring to is that uh that Kelvin is he's got staff also, so he's finding it gross that he's walking around with that with that belt. But it is funny. 
It is funny. So we're looking for Con- Connors. Connors is putting a lot of feelers out there as far as next opponents. Uh, the one that seems to have, I would say, the most heat is him versus Cowboy. Um, he said yesterday when when Anderson wanted to fight Nick Diaz in Brazil at UFC 237 that he would fight Nate. So there's that out as well. Connor said that he wants to fight Anderson Silva as well. So there's that. So he's got a lot of he's got a, a lot of fun fights that aren't necessarily for the title because Cowboy came out this week and he's like, well, just found out that we're going to be fighting for the interim title. You, me and you, Connor, Budweiser versus Proper 12. Um, you know, which is just, it's just Cowboy bleeping around and getting some reaction, which is fun. But look, this is what I would say with Connor, you know, for all this debate that has to be out there for the 155 division, you know, he's such an intriguing fighter and people want to want to fight him so much and they know what he brings to the table from a marketing standpoint. It's okay that Connor's not in the title picture right now. Like we can boldly say that. I'm not saying that he's not one of the top guys at 155, but it's okay that he's not there fighting Dustin right now or fighting Tony. It's okay. Connor's done it all as far as titles are concerned with running through 155, with winning a 155 title, with fighting Khabib and, and, and losing to him. Like he's been in the title picture. He's been there, done that. He's done everything as far as a championship or main event is concerned. So if he wants to go this route of fighting Cowboy Cerrone, it's okay that that's not for the title. Like, the fans don't care. You know, Cowboy, Cowboy, I'm sure he does want to win a title, but I bet you if you asked him what he wants more, a title shot or to fight Connor, it's to fight Connor. Those guys have been kind of circling each other like a couple of sharks for a, a long time. And I think Cowboy's in this place right now where, yes, a title obviously means a whole, whole lot. He's been working his entire life for it, and he's fought for titles and he's lost titles before. But... He's got more UFC wins than anybody. He's the Teflon Don, man. He's he's a made man in UFC fight fans' eyes, whether he wins a title or he doesn't win a title. So the idea that these guys just want to fight because it's an awesome fight is incredible. We saw it last night. Was was that fight any less of a fight because Israel Adesanya and 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 Anderson Silva weren't fighting for a title were were not fighting for a title? No. The fans loved it. It was great. Um it was it was thrilling, and it didn't need the championship stakes. And so, just because Cowboy versus Connor may be the most popular fight at 155 right now, or the most intriguing, doesn't mean it should be a title fight. The other guys are more deserving of it. I think that I think that Tony is the most deserving right now of the fight against Khabib, and that's because his title was taken away because he tripped over some wires doing media for the UFC. So that guy deserves to fight for the title next. There's no doubt about it. Um, Dustin, Dustin Poirier, has been wrecking shop, and the only reason he's not getting a title shot is because he's in the same division with stars like Conor McGregor and the unfortunate circumstances of Tony Ferguson. But he deserves a title shot and has probably deserved a title shot multiple times. So... I think it's fine for Conor to kind of take his oars out of the water for a little bit of fighting title fights. These I I would love to see him fight the trilogy against Nate. I would love to see him fight Donald Cerrone. I'd love to see him fight Anderson Silva, even though Dana's not into that. I'd love to see that. And they're all going to – I would all I would fork over, you know, what are, we're talking about, $225 right now, 75 75 75 Take my money. I will watch all three of those fights. I don't care if there's a championship after this. Because Connor's bigger than the belt. He's one of those. He's he's broken through the ceiling of he's bigger than the belt. And Donald is is at a point where he's bigger than the belt. Anderson, he's bigger than the belt. And Nate, he's not bigger than the belt, but that trilogy means enough, and they've been close enough where that trilogy in itself is bigger than a belt. It doesn't need it. It doesn't need it right now. And we get the word this week from... Habib, who is doing, this is what his standpoint was. He was talking to Russian media, not happy with how Nevada handled the entire situation. Uh, his teammates, Zabira Tukhugov, Tukhugov and Abukabar Nurmagomedov, they both got one-year su- suspensions. 
And so they're not allowed to come back until November. So Habib says he is going to stand in solidarity with his teammates, and he's not going to fight until their suspensions are up. So if that is going to happen, and he's not going to fight, because he's he's eligible to come back in July. If that is the case, then you got to make an interim title shot. You got to have Tony fight Dustin for the interim title. That has to be the way you go. And it makes sense because I get why the Dustin Connor thing doesn't make sense. I get it. Connor did 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 floor him. He he beat him very soundly at featherweight a long time ago. Um, but he did beat him, and, and Dustin doesn't have a belt and hasn't been champ. So I understand why you wouldn't want to do that fight. Um, and I think for Dustin, you know, I know that he's very frustrated right now, seeing all his tweets because he does deserve a title shot, but. We're seeing with the UFC and, and the machine, as Dana put it last night, you know, taking these stands of I'm not going to fight unless it's against the, uh, against Connor or for the belt. I don't know how that's going to benefit him in the long run, because ultimately there's so many good guys at 155. They're going to forget about you. And I think that the one thing with Dustin is, you know, in a in a in a deep, deep division, he almost is the most forgettable because he hasn't been an interim champ. Um, He kind of just goes about his business. He is absolutely terrific. But I do think that if we're talking about fame level-wise, Khabib, Tony Connor, uh, even Ally Aquinta or Kevin Lee, like people who are probably the most recognizable, he's probably the least so. So he may need to be one of those things where he fights Ally Aquinta just to prove his point again until he's just undeniable. He may be the guy almost like Kamara Usman where you just have to win and win and win until you're just undeniable. And then the the opportunity comes through and it sucks that it has to be that way for him. But I just kind of think that's the position that he's in right now. Um, So interesting stuff that's going to come down the pipe. But if, if, if he is, if Khabib is going to be taken out for a little bit, if he is doing this self-imposed suspension on himself, he's extending his suspension then I think you do Tony versus Habib, and then you do Connor versus whomever. Do it versus Cowboy. Do it versus Nate. All that stuff sounds fun. I don't think Connor has to be on this championship tour because, look, if Connor is going to continue to fight and he is going to be a guy who's going to be active, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot for the fans to consider him being a championship level fighter again. He just needs a win that people watched. It was like this fight last night with with Anderson. He's at that level. If Anderson would have beat Adesanya last night, even with his ranking being, what was it, 15th, 14th, something like that, so just in the rankings, um, if he would have won that fight, then he would have gotten the title shot. That was the agreement. Connor's kind of at the same level right now. Like, he doesn't need a whole lot for people to be convinced that he should fight for the belt. But I don't think it should be next, especially against... Khabib if they do Connor versus Tony for the belt uh, I mean I just don't I just think that the Dustin and Tony deserve a shot at gold more right now I just do and I don't think it does a whole lot for Connor being the interim champ I just what does it do he's already been to the top he's already been the guy interim champ right now those other guys need the build-up need the rub of it a little bit more and and quite frankly i think they're a little bit more deserving right now so we'll see next week a lot of action going on in mixed martial arts you got matt mitrion taking on sergey karatanov that is going to be bellator 215 on friday uh i'm going to go with mitrion to get the win there you have saturday bellator 216 this one's doozy michael venom page mvp taking on paul daly the all-British grudge match, why it's not in London, I don't know. But at least it's not on tape delay, so that'll be cool. Um, Michael Venom Page, I'm going to go with him to get the win over Paul Daly. Uh, just bringing that versatility. Paul's got kind of that that one bomb. That's his uh, That's his mentality. These guys hate each other. It's an unbelievable grudge match. Um, you also have Valerie Lareda. She's going to be making her Bellator debut against Colby Fletcher. She is from down here. She trains at American Top Team. Um, she's a, she's a, she's a bit of a whiz kid. So, uh, if you guys are looking for a local tie-in, check her out. She'll be on that card as well. Mirko Krokop is also taking on Roy Nelson. Don't really have a feel for that fight and don't feel, uh, obliged to make a pick there. Um, UFC on ESPN. 
main event. Francis Ngannou against Cain Velasquez. That's a hell of a matchup. Big time, big ESPN, just like they did back in the day, Cain versus JDS on Big Fox, and Cain Velasquez suffered that devastating knockout loss. This is kind of set up the same way, almost eerily. Uh, we haven't seen Kane in there in about two and a half years. And Francis is coming off a devastating win over Curtis Blades. A nice bounce back for him after he had, um, obviously, the tough loss to Stipe. Then had the all-bore fest against Derek Lewis. So he had a back-to-back losses, but then came back and beat an absolute top contender in Curtis Blades, a guy that he's beaten before. Uh, a tremendous wrestler, Curtis Blades is. and uh, Not the striker that Kane is by any means and he doesn't have that rust that he's dealt with so man it's a tough one to pick it's a tough one to pick i think if you're going to get the best version of kane which is tough to say at 36 years old you know i think he brings a lot of the skills that stipe does so i would go with kane getting that win but you can't ignore the fact that he's been out of out of commission you can't ignore the fact that he has these surgeries. You can't ignore the fact that he's 36 years old now, that he's not the guy that was steamrolling everybody in the heavyweight division, that we haven't seen the best Cain Velasquez in a long, long time. You know, so it's a tough fight to pick. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Cain to get the win, but I don't feel fantastic about it. I really don't. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're coming here uh, next Sunday and are going to talk about a Francis Ngannou who made Cain Velasquez look old or did something dynamic. He's a vicious striker. Even in the fight against Stipe, he had his moments where he is that kind of dangerous. If it goes past a round, yes. I mean, Cain Velasquez has better cardio than just about any flyweight on the card, uh, on, on the roster. He's got a gas tank for days. So if it goes past a round, you got to say that Cain's got the easy pathway. But for those first five minutes, <laughs> It be absolutely, absolutely dangerous. But I'm going to go with the former heavyweight champ to get the win over the current top heavyweight contender. That's all for us this week. We will talk to you guys same time, same place, next Sunday, Fudders Fury right here on 790 The Ticket. All right, man, that's today's show. Uh, before we get out of here, as I said, I was going to attach uh, our interview this past week with Kamara Usman. If you haven't heard it yet, um, you know, if you have... You either enjoy it a little bit more. But if you didn't get to hear it this week on the Midday Show, can't recommend it enough. The dude is awesome. Very much got a fan of me now after getting a chance to speak with him on our show. Here is number one welterweight title contender. He is fighting at two UFC 235 coming up at the beginning of March. Kamaru Usman. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's Tobin, Leroy, and Beast. Very excited yeah. to talk to our next guest. We're out to the Ryan Fields and downstairs convenience store's guest line. Truly steps beyond convenience. They will find number one contender, Kamar Usman, joins us there. Thank you, Kamar. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you guys for having me. The pleasure. Well, we're looking forward to it, man. We actually just saw you recently. Leroy and I went out to uh, to the Titan show not too long ago when you were broadcasting. And uh, things got crazy there, man. Right, Leroy? Yeah. I, I mean, the, from a professional standpoint, you had to ask the questions that you asked. But was Suarez out of line by continuing to go after him? Because I was always told that they keep going until the official stops them. Uh, no, I mean, this is, this is that, 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 that very type of situation to where his side's not, his side's not particularly wrong. The, the opposing team's side is not particularly wrong for feeling the way that they felt about it. You're taught, you're a mixed martial artist. You're taught, well, this is not boxing where it's, uh, you knock the guy down at the eight count and the guy says you have to back off and let him get up. No, it's not that type of, of, of game. you gotta you got to go in for the finish. And Suarez was in absolute, he had the right to go in and continue to try to go for the finish. But in good sportsmanship, once you hit him with the first shot, you realize this guy's out. He was out before he hit the ground. Right. You didn't need the other. You didn't need the other three, four shots that he delivered. One of guy was out. You didn't need those. So in that sense, I think it was a poor sportsmanship on his on his end. But he had every right to do that. And on the other end, the team that those are your team. Those are your teammates. They're there. Those are your coaches. They're there to help guide you and protect you and, and things like that. So when they see their guy is out and the other guy's not stopping, he's 
continuing to, to hit him, of course their tempers are going to flare. If anything, I would blame the referee. Right. That was the referee's fault for being slow to get in there and stop it. That's his job is to be in there and keep those fighters safe. So if any blame is to be thrown around, it goes towards the referee. I don't blame either corner or either side. Is there any way you could describe to, to people who haven't been in there, Kamal, that kind of emotion that you feel, uh, like the, the the highs and lows when you are with that opponent? Because it feels like you're saying, like, you, you kind of got to have an awareness of where your opponent is, but also it is a sport where you're both in a cage and it's best man survives. Yeah, but, you know, this is this is how I, I approach the game. This is not I'm, not... I'm not there to kill my my opponent. Yes, at the end of the day, we're, 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 we're modern-day gladiators, but at the same time, I'm a human being, and my opponent's a human being. My opponent has a family and, and, and that he has to get home to, as do I. So I would, if I was in that situation, I would expect my opponent to, to be sensitive enough to know that and, and not damage And vice versa, I wouldn't put my opponent in that situation. If I know he's out with the first shot, I was raised in, in good sportsmanship like that to where I will back off. I would not do that. That's... No, it, it happened, you know, but that, that's kind of the, the, the fine line of the dangerous game that we play. So, you know, I mean, doing shows like, like Titan, you get those guys who are hungry and, the, and they're on the come up. Do you think about those times at all right now, Kamal? Because you are in line for the title. You're fighting for the belt in about four weeks' time. I mean, that's... Do you ever think back to those 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 days of, of of your crawl up to the UFC to get to this actual moment? Because it's a huge deal, man. You could be you could be world champion in a month's time. Yeah, man. Absolutely, I absolutely do. Because if this is and and I watch these Titan fights and I, I I cringe sometimes. And these guys are putting it all on the line. It, it's almost you know just motivate motive it's extremely motivating to watch what these guys are doing for because you're starting out at the bottom when you first start out some of these you don't make money we make less than those guys make less than minimum wage absolutely less than minimum wage if they had they would make more money working at mcdonald's than they would for for what they put themselves through going through these fights so these guys man these guys are tough guys i watch them fight they lay all on the line man and it just you know it's just added motivation of where i've come from I remember fighting like that. I remember grinding through all these, you know, these smaller promotions and these circuits. And, and Titan FC does a phenomenal job. I mean, for a, a show that's set down here now, they're starting to expand worldwide. I mean, they do a phenomenal job of getting all these guys opportunities to get to that next level. Was there ever a point where you thought, I, I'm not, I, I can't do this anymore? Because I got to imagine having that kind of, that burden of, of basically risking everything, you're putting your body in the line, you're making no money, and, and maybe not knowing that there's going to be that potential of, of fighting in the UFC for championships. Did you ever think about not continuing to pursue it, or did you always think you'd get here? Every day I think about it. I still, <laughs> I still think about that right now. It's, it's not a, you know, it's, it's, it's a psychological experiment as well. It's not just oh, man, everything is peachy, everything is all sunshine and rainbows just because I'm in the UFC. No, it's still a struggle. And any ch- world champion will tell you that. It, it's a struggle each and every day. Like, it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't all just go away just because you're you're there. Because it can all, you can all lose, you can lose at everything. And, and, you know, God forbid, you can go in there and get a, take a kick and boom, everything is gone. You can't fight again. So it's not, it, you know, it's, this is just a sport. It's a, it's a dangerous sport that where you can never get complacent. This is not like a football when you have a, you know, $20 million contract and 10 of it is guaranteed. You know, it's not that game. So each and every day is a struggle. Each and every week, each and every month, it, it, it's just part of the deal, part of the game. Now, one of the things that I totally admire all MMA fighters with is, look, I play football, and – when you practice during the week, you don't practice the same way you do in a game. You take it a little bit easy. But in order to perfect your craft, when you are training, you have to go at it when you train. How difficult is that to constantly have to go through that to say you're getting ready for this upcoming fight? How long that's before you question. stop training like that? that that's a good question. Um, it's uh, I was actually talking about this last week 
we were we were practicing uh, just counters and, and, and blocks, just little things like that. And when your opponent attack, counter attack. And one thing about me is, I'm a, I came from wrestling. I'm a wrestler. Right. So if you know anything about wrestling, my hips are tight than a mug. I mean, I can't even. I can't move in those things and being loose enough to do some of these things that some of these strikers do. My hips are extremely tight. So we were practicing finishing with a head kick. And the only way for me to properly execute this kick is if I do it live. Like, I go it full out. And, and so I'm thinking, I'm like, well, I can't drill this. I can't do it light because I'm so tight I can't even get my, my legs up there. I can't open my hips up like that. But if I do it live and full out, then I can do it. So I was feeling bad for my opponent, my, my drill partner, because every time I'm throwing this full out live, and, and I know it's hurting him. Because even if in a, in a real fight, even if you block the kick, it still hurts. Right. But I felt a little better before him, and then after we talked about it, and I'm just like, man, it's a crazy sport that we do because it, it's very hard to replicate or, or drill right. certain things without going full out. Is there anything, because you're, now that you're fighting Tyron Willis, by the way, we're talking to Kamaru Usman, he's fighting at UFC 235, March 2nd, for the welterweight championship of the world. Getting ready for Tyron, who's, uh, who's a really established champion. He's, he's, absolutely, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, when you have a guy who's ran that much, and you, and you have this goal in mind, do you tune into every one of his fights? Do you, do you have a good breakdown of what you think I can do to, to beat him? Or is it more of a focus on yourself and... You're kind of just the same guy in every single fight. How do you approach that? Uh, I'm a little bit of both. Um, I, uh, I, I've definitely, I've had my eye on Tyron for a long, long time. I mean, and he even mentioned something about it in our last press conference to where he said, do I remember what I asked him? Yes, I remember. I, when he was a newly, newly champion, I remember being at one of his after parties because me and him are, are cool. We have, we have no, it's not terrible beef in any way, shape, or form. So I was at one of his after parties, and I remember asking him, I asked him, I said, how do you feel? How do, how do you feel being a champion? How does it feel now that you've achieved it? And, and, and he, you know, kind of gave me a roundabout generic answer. But what he did is let me know, right, with him bringing it up, last week was he felt that that was me kind of kissing up to him or any way like that. What he doesn't realize, what he doesn't realize is that's me sizing you up years ago. <laughs> years ago. I asked you that question because I wanted to know how it's going to feel when I take that off of you. And so it, it's, uh, it was one of those things. I asked him and he answered, but then I'm like, Okay, I will get this belt off you, bruh. And so the time is coming. <laughs> the time has come now. On March second, I will take that belt from Tyron Woodley and become the new welterweight champion of the world. Kamaru, it sounds like you don't need really any motivation, any extra motivation at all to go into this fight for the uh, welterweight championship. But uh, Vegas does have you as the underdog, and it's the first time you've been an underdog in three or four years. Does that does that play into it? Do you use that to your advantage? No, I don't care. <laughs> like Vegas can't determine what's in my heart. Vegas doesn't know how how long I've ran at night in the middle of the night. Vegas doesn't know how how much extra work I've put in than than Tyron Willie. Vegas doesn't know all the 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 extra drilling that I put in or the extra partners that I, I called on the weekends and said, Hey, let's get extra work. Vegas don't know all that. So Vegas can't account for that. All they're accounting for is, oh, this guy hits really hard or this guy doesn't hit hard. So they make their odds. I don't really care. Uh, and it's refreshing at some point to, to be a, a underdog because now I really get to make people a lot of money. You know, people always message me and, and say, hey, I won money on you, but I had to bet $800 just to win 100 But now they get to bet as much as they want to really win money. So there you go. It doesn't matter. Uh, one, one more question. This is off the beaten path. So yesterday we did a story, uh, whereas in a, in a, in a mountain off of uh, in near Fort Collins, Colorado, a hiker was on a trail. He's walking along. He hears something behind him. He turns around. It's a juvenile uh, mountain lion, right? This mountain lion comes at him, and he, he fights off the mountain lion and kills the mountain lion. Allegedly with his bare hands. Allegedly with his bare hands. 
So uh, we, we, we're a little bit skeptical, but supposedly this is a true story. With all of your skills, you're, you've got a wrestling background, you're in the UFC, do you think you could fend off and kill a wild mountain lion? Juvenile. Juvenile. I would mess that mountain lion. It's either me or him. So I'm messing him up. So I think I saw that. I saw like a headline of that, and I, I kind of chuckled, and I didn't read the whole story. But, you know, I actually lived in Colorado for a couple of years. So, yes, I know there's a, a lot of them out there. But, yeah, man, uh, uh, mountain lions are dangerous. If they come at you, it's either you or them, and you got to defend yourself. So I, I could see it, but in me personally, yeah, I would. I'd probably put them to sleep in a rear naked choke. Then, <laughs> like go to, go to sleep, kitty cat. Go to sleep. Yeah. I definitely put him in the choke and, and probably whisper in his ear as he's going to sleep. Oh <laughs> uh, man, come on, we can't thank you enough for the time, Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Uh, we're wishing you the best of luck coming up March second, UFC two thirty five. Buy his fight. You got John Jones' return. It's going to be back on that. He's taking on Anthony Smith. Kamala's going to be fighting Tyron Woodley for the welterweight title. Hey, man, when you're doing your victory tour, come back here with the belt next hey, month, all right? Yeah, next time you do one of those Titan FCs, we're, we're going to come holler at you, too. Hey, man, you know I'm going to be out here. I ain't going nowhere. All right. All right, cool, man. All right, appreciate you guys. All right, thanks. Yeah, man, it's Kamala's been going to get Hey, uh, yeah. I like him. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've had a couple of cool, <laughs> we had a couple of cool dudes. We've had we've had some uh, cool guys on. Shh, shh. <laughs> he said he go. It's all over now. Go. He gonna say like Debo. Go to sleep, kitty cat. Go to sleep. <laughs> we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.